What's going on, guys? It's Lee McKinney, and I'm back for episode four of The Art of the Breakdown. This is my MMA show. We go over fights before they happen. I give you my predictions. We go over fights after they happen. I take you round by round how the fight went down, uh, what's next for each fighter, things of that nature. We are less than a day removed from UFC 257 McGregor versus Poirier. Uh, I thought the card was not the most entertaining if you're looking for knockouts, submissions, things of that nature. Uh, I think that there's a lot of decisions, but the last two fights were excellent. And, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about decisions. Some of the most legendary fights of all time, some of the best fights of all time have, been, have gone to decisions. So I guess I guess the fight, uh, the fight card didn't, you know, blow me away as far as entertainment value. But the last two fights certainly did. Let's hop right into those. Um, Dan Hooker, Mike Chandler. So check it out. Chandler's coming over from Bellator, where he was a champion over there. Uh, he's coming in with a lot of hype to the UFC. Everyone was really excited to see what his mix of uh, explosive striking and wrestling were going to bring to the table, especially in a division dominated by Khabib with his wrestling. So this is a very interesting prospect for the UFC to pick up. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen when someone comes from another organization because you have the question of are UFC the elite of the elite or is it just the most mainstream organization and you never know and you got guys like Ben Askren coming in who did very uh, poorly I would say in their in their UFC run so again lots of question marks here but um, it was an incredible fight so round one the only round uh, Hooker opens up with a lot of low calf kicks um, Chandler's definitely the aggressor though he's pushing the pace uh, he's loading up on punches to the body, lots of right hands to the body. So he's he's sending those in, he's sending those in, right hand body, right hand body. And uh, about a minute and a half in, uh, he follows it up with, uh, I think, a left hook to the head. Think right to the body, which is what he's been loading up and making Hooker look at a lot. And then takes it to the head, uh, knocks Hooker down, swarms him with punches. Uh, he gets on the cage, big backflip off the cage. Uh, and he proceeds to call out Connor, Dustin, and Khabib. Uh, I think that, you know, in his mind, he was hoping Connor was going to get the win so he could set up that fight. I think Dana probably would have liked the same thing, the UFC as well. We'll get we'll get to the Connor fight in a minute. Calls out Dustin. You never know what's going to happen there. And obviously, Dustin is, as we found out, the best lightweight uh, in the world, assuming. Uh, in the UFC, assuming uh, Khabib is not coming back, and it doesn't look like that he is coming back. Which is funny, side note on that, because I feel like Khabib is the kind of guy who tells you exactly what's happening, and he's been saying he's not coming back. I think Dana was the one pushing the issue, saying that you know Khabib's coming back. And uh, it looks like even after that fight, Dana you know, kind of said, Khabib texted me, none of these guys are on my level. But uh, yeah, that's what uh, that's what happened. He calls him out. So next for Chandler... Um, so first off, Dana mentioned, uh, at the post-fight conference that he can see Chandler taking on Poirier, who went on to defeat Connor in the following fight. Uh, and we'll touch on that more later. But, uh, for me, I'm just not sure that coming into the UFC, getting one win on an opponent who wasn't even top three is quite enough for me. It seems like Dustin Poirier also agrees. Again, we'll get to that. So if you're, if it's my choice, um, you could give him a Charles Oliveira. Now, some might say Oliveira's already earned his title shot. I wouldn't argue there, but that's one idea for me. The next one would be Justin Gaethje. I think it's another entertaining fighter. I think he's ranked number one. We'll see how that changes uh, tomorrow, Monday, 
when they I think that's when they update their fight rankings on their website. Uh, so he is coming off a loss. You know, Chandler definitely is saying that he wants um, he's here for a short time and a good time. I think that's how they say it. Not here for a long time. Here for a good. I don't know. You know what I'm saying, right? Uh, cool. So yeah, I think that um, if he gets a win over someone top three, that'll put him at two fights in the UFC, two high-profile fights. That, in my mind, sets him up for a, sh- a title shot. Next for Hooker. Uh, so this one for me, with all the all the uh, what's next situations that I've been thinking of for this for the show right here, Hooker is the toughest one for me. Um, so. He's coming off of two losses, and it's a brutal place to be. And I might even and and the Poirier one was a war, so I might say that uh, regroup, take some time off, maybe readjust your game plan, because he, he's ending up in a lot of wars, taking a lot of damage. And you see, uh, after the Poirier fight, coming into this fight with Chandler, he couldn't take much um, damage to the head, and that's you don't want to see that. So. If I have to say something, I'm going to say maybe give him Ferguson, who is also coming off a loss. However, is Ferguson going to want to take someone who's on a two-fight skid if he's ranked ahead of him? I don't think so. So, like I said, this is a tough situation for Hooker to be in. You could give him Rafael Dos Anjos, who's ranked number seven, to Hooker's number six. So that makes sense to me uh, because even though he's ranked above for Rafael Dos Anjos, he's coming off a loss, kind of evens it out a little bit to me. But it's a tough call. As I said, I think you might just want to take a second, see what happens in the division. That might be the best bet. Someone in that 6 to 10 range could make some noise. And although they might be ranked behind Hooker, um, it could turn out in, in four months we, we have a little bit more clear of a picture of, of what would make sense for Hooker. But right now, uh, I'm thinking some... Take a breather, collect yourself. I, I'm, I'm, I think I found out on the internet that he can't even go home till February 23rd or 28th or something really wild because of the way that his country's doing their quarantine travel restrictions. So man, he's coming off his, two, uh, his second loss, and he's not even able to go home and be with his loved ones for for quite a while. So, uh, you know, thoughts out to Hooker. Everybody likes guys. He's a likable guy. He's an incredible fighter. You know, goes to war every time. So nobody wants to see. Any of this happening to him, but it's life. All right, your main event. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Round one. Uh, Conor comes out. He's fainting, heavy as he usually does. Nothing really crazy landing, although he is getting through. Uh, Poirier gets a, a huge unexpected takedown a minute in or so. Now, I say unexpected because, quite frankly, when it happened, I said, wow. That being said... That's the game plan. You you want to take the wind out of uh, Connor's sails. You want to, you want to slow him down, and uh, take some of the snap out of his punches. So taking him down the first round is probably one of the best decisions you can make. I think uh, Khabib did the same. I think I saw a fact. I don't know who it was. Uh, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell said something about in any fight that he's had where he hasn't thrown X amount of punches or he's gone down, uh, been taken down, he doesn't end up winning those fights. So. You know, that's all these crazy fight metrics. I don't know how much you want to put into that. But, again, takedown is huge. Connor does get back up, uh, spins him back to the fence. There's a couple of minutes spent in the clinch. But, overall, not too much damage is dealt. He's throwing those shoulders that he uh, he broke Cowboy's nose with in the last fight. <clears throat> and uh, 
Towards the end, they're each exchanging some good shots. Definitely an entertaining first round. However, couple points in the in this first round. So so I'll give the first round to Connor, even with the Poirier takedown. Now I wouldn't die on that hill. That's just how I I saw it at the end. He got some good punches through, and, and Poirier was able to take it, unlike the first fight. However, there were some leg kicks getting through, uh, calf kicks in particular, and Connor wasn't really checking him. And I can't remember it's first to second round. We'll get into the second round. He started trying to 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 catch uh, uh, the kicks, uh, to check the kicks out, um, but he wasn't getting the right angle on his check. So, so it was it wasn't hitting the bone and making Dustin pay. It was still hitting his muscle, and he was grabbing the leg, but it was after our, the kick already connected. So in the case of checking a kick, you, you want to turn, you know, have them connect with bone. And um, he, I saw Connor in the uh, in the post fight, and he's saying, you know, I was starting to grab those kicks. I was starting to grab the kicks. Yeah, he was, but it was after they already hit his leg. That's when he was grabbing them and throwing lefts. So still taking the damage, and that's the, that's the thing. Um, so round two, Poirier's getting through with these leg kicks. Connor's clearly bothered. His leg is beat red, and he's limping. Um, you know, I forget how long, a minute and a half in, he gets through some punches, knocks Connor down, follows him to the ground. Uh, Herb Dean steps in. Poirier wins by TKO in round two. And uh, it was a shocking upset. I think the number one bet I saw people making on this fight was Connor winning by TKO round two. And the exact opposite happened. So, very interesting card. I think a lot of people had Hooker. Um, as a favorite in in the Chandler fight, and I think a lot of people had Connor as a favorite in this fight. So, very wild, very wild. Um, so after the fight, Poirier calls out his foundation. I think it's called Good Fight Foundation. They do they build gyms. They they help kids you know that are underprivileged uh, and un- underprivileged in his city, things of that nature. It's a great thing. I believe Connor's also donating five hundred thousand from the fight to this as well. So good things happening around this fight. Um, Poirier says he might want to run the third with McGregor. Obviously, now they're both one and one uh, via TKO strikes. Um, he says he's the champ, especially if Khabib isn't coming back, and it's really hard to argue. I think a lot of people thought that this could have been for a, a title. Um, it's it's just unclear why Dana was pushing that Khabib was coming back so hard when he w- when Khabib was saying he wasn't, and I'm just thinking Dana was hoping for a counter win. Big explosive Khabib call-out. You set that up, which would probably be the number one selling pay-per-view of all time. Now, excuse me, things have changed. Connor's losing. He's inconsistent. We'll talk in a minute about his stock, but yeah, I think a lot of things changed when when Poirier took Connor down. Um, so here's the deal with this. Yeah, I was talking to some of my friends before the fight about this, and I, I did predict Connor to win. However, I did say that he is not someone to bet on. Uh, quite the opposite, actually. As a 3-1 to one underdog... I, th- I think the biggest upside was a bet on Dustin uh, because he's been active against the best of the best. If you look up his recent fights, uh, just Gaethje, Alvarez, Max Holloway, who looked incredible the other week. Um, you know, incredible fights. Uh, I think he, uh, Pettis as well. Anyways, um, so I thought Connor just seemed motivated. I'm not saying he wasn't, even though he lost. But uh, he wasn't prepared. Poirier had the game plan. Um, so, you know, Dustin, I think, had the best game plan that he could have possibly had. 
Takedowns and leg kicks are definitely things that we have seen um, that are weaknesses for Connor. And he used both. So I, and I can tell you from my experience, although limited, I'm not a professional fighter. I've just practiced throughout my life. Those leg kicks hurt so much. There are a ton of nerves in that area. And uh, so not only is it extremely painful, um, but you can lose a lot of control. Your leg can become compromised. And uh, Connor said after the fight that his leg was, he was kind of dead-legged. Uh, I think he said, my leg's dead, obviously. I think that's what he meant. Um, is that an excuse? Who's to say? A possibility? Absolutely. We've seen a recent couple times, if you remember, Sugar Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera, where Cheeto landed that that calf kick. Um, Sugar goes down, thinks he's even has an injury because he's in so much pain and lost so much control. And it just turns out, you know, as the calf kick is emerging in this sport, we're seeing how brutal it can be and how impactful it can be on many fights. All right. Uh, so what's next for Dustin? I think if you just take it as it is at face value, I think Charles Oliveira has made a case to fight for a title. Dana said it makes sense to put Poirier and Chandler together. Now, it makes sense. I get that because you had this, I think, second or third best-selling pay-per-view of all time. You got Chandler making a statement, Poirier making a statement. It almost sets itself up too well for anyone who saw this card to want to see the next one. Um, Poirier versus McGregor three, I think is, uh, you know, definitely on the table. They're one on one. I think everyone saw this It's top two and whether it draws as much attention on the next time being a top two of all time, top three of all time pay-per-view for the UFC, it's going to do good business regardless. Um, but as I said earlier, you know, Hooker wasn't in the top three, so the, the the Chandler win to me is great, and it welcomes him to the UFC with a bang, but it doesn't necessarily, in my mind, get him a title shot. I don't make the rules, believe it or not. So I think you give Chandler a Justin Gaethje, a Charles Oliveira, make that a title contender fight, or just give Dustin Oliveira. Uh, Dustin himself said he wants the trilogy fight with Connor. I think that's a big money thing. He also said he wants to fight with Nate Diaz. I think that's a big money thing. So it seems to me at this point, whatever he does next will be for a title, but he wants high profile alongside with, uh, along with it. Uh, and with, uh, with a win over Connor, he definitely qualifies for, um, high profile fights and especially a title shot. This could have been for a title, as I said. Now, question that I have for you is regarding this next section here. Conor McGregor, what's next? Ariel Hawani said this. I don't want to take his credit, but uh, I think it's time for McGregor Diaz 3 because right now they're both coming off losses. I think the fight needs to happen eventually, so now seems like the perfect time. Also, Poirier McGregor 3 is something that they'll both want, something I think would do good numbers, um, but it's I just don't think it runs back right away with the most hype. I think Connor needs to make a, a bold statement somewhere else to make people think that the fight doesn't go just the same way again. So I think Connor needs to take another fight. And Diaz is something that's kind of always been right there uh, waiting. Uh, let's not forget this one is also might be a favorite of mine. A potential idea is Tony Ferguson. That fight is, uh, they've had some history, some calling outs of each other. Um, it's out there. Ferguson's coming off a loss. Now that Connor's coming off a loss, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, they both, both those fighters have upsides to that fight. I think, uh, I also think Gaethje is an option. He's coming off a loss, but I have to say this after seeing what we've seen of Connor's last couple of fights at 155, 
Uh, Gaethje's ability to take damage and continue to come forward mixed with his high, high level wrestling uh, pedigree. And I just think that Connor needs to steer pretty far from Gaethje because it seems that if Connor can't put you away pretty early, he he's not as elite in the championship rounds. And, and Gaethje's that warrior. And if you can drain Connor with takedowns and things like that, it's just a recipe for disaster for Connor, if you ask me. Um, but also, you never know. Gaethje might just stand and, and strike with Connor, and that's kind of the fights that Connor wants. Like he he needs the striking. Start taking him down, and start taking the life out of him. So, I think steer clear of Gaethje. But hey, it's out there. Um, and briefly, I'll say this very briefly. There's been a Manny Pacquiao boxing match that Connor's interested in. Manny Pacquiao is interested in it. But I can't lie, I do not want to see it. I think uh, I think Manny outstrikes Connor. You know. I think it goes just the same as the uh, Floyd Mayweather fight, maybe worse because Floyd knocked Connor out as a defensive fighter. You get Manny Pacquiao even at what forty-two in your face coming at you, throwing high volume. You get Connor walking backwards, losing breath. I don't think that goes well for Connor at all. Um, I think it's a money thing. I think it's a pay-per-view thing. I think that's almost where he's at in his career. Is let's do the biggest fights possible. He's got so many things going on in his life, but. Uh, I think Connor needs a winnable fight in the UFC. Uh, the 155 division is extremely stacked, so there is nothing easy in his future whatsoever. He needs to commit, put put as much time as possible, and be as, as active as possible in the UFC. Or uh, you know, the game might just pass you by. It's you know, when Floyd was taking a year off in a fight and a year off in a fight and still winning all those fights in the boxing ring, that's different. Whereas MMA changes and evolves overnight and you cannot be inactive like connor said and uh and think you're gonna be i mean he's elite but you can't be as inactive as he's been and think you're just gonna you know steamroll everyone so i'm gonna leave you guys with a question this time my question to you is this do you blame connor's inactivity for the loss do you think with all the money and comfort he has that we'll ever see that Connor of old again. And lastly, do you think it's just Dustin Poirier's growth that got him the win? There's many angles to look at it. Of course, you have Connor saying, it's my inactivity, it's my foot. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, he, he needs to say that there's a reason why this happened so people don't lose faith and watch him again. He doesn't want to lose fans. He doesn't want to lose pay-per-view buys. Pay-per-view buys. Um, so ultimately... What's the case here? Uh, what's the future for Connor? And uh, I'm, I'm curious. I want to hear you guys' opinion. So comment below if, if you're on YouTube. If this is on Instagram, you see this wherever. But, uh, you know, engage with me a little bit. Let's, uh, let's talk back and forth and, and, and see what we think, right? Cool. Well, thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye.